So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, on Tuesday, we head to the battlefields of medieval Spain to witness the very first ambulance. On Wednesday, it's the anniversary of the day Coca-Cola's creator hit on his winning formula. He dropped the wine, but kept the cocaine. On Thursday, the thief who stuffed the crown jewels down his trousers. And on Friday, when free-spirited Danish parenting put 90s New York in a tears. We discuss this and more on Today in History with the Retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at sax.com. Hello, man fans. Ollie Man here with episode two, America's Best Burgers. Because this week I'm in California. I'm not now. I'm in uh, Hertfordshire now. It is noticeably colder. Uh, But when I recorded it weeks ago, I was in California with a burger fanatic from the website Thrillist who took me to taste what he claims are... Uh, two of the best burgers, not just in California, but in the whole of the USA. Um, When I tasted the first one, genuinely, uh, that is, I think, the best burger I've ever had in my life. Turns out my audio descriptive powers are not so fantastic. All I could do, as you'll hear, is just go, hmm. So I don't think I'll be getting a job on the food program anytime soon. Uh, Nonetheless, this is probably not an episode to listen to if the idea of getting hungry right now seems a bad idea. Perhaps only listen if you know what you're having for your dinner and you're on your way to eat it, because it will get the juices flowing. Talking of ill-advised noises to make in restaurants, uh, you might recall that we recorded the sex chat last week in a pub beer garden, which was... Not the most successful enterprise. Uh, So this time we decided to record it in the first floor of a pub, but at midday in an enclosed space, private dining room. It was only when we ascended the staircase to get in there that we realised that it wasn't a normal pub. It was a kind of hipster pub where they'd converted the room into a vegetarian tea room. Uh, So there was Alex Fox with a big bag of dildos, uh, whilst around us were people (laughs) trying to have... Um, a sort of romantic and slightly delicate cucumber sandwiches kind of afternoon out. Uh, So if you hear clanging cutlery in the background, that is exasperated people dropping their knives as she says the word ejaculate really loudly into a microphone (laughs) and she was completely oblivious (laughs) to their awkwardness. So that was kind of amusing to watch. Um, Just before we proceed with the episode proper, I want to say thank you very much to Sylvia from Germany. You are the first person to send us some beer money. So thank you very much for that. Cheers. Uh, And also to everyone who used the hashtag modern man on Twitter. Uh, Ewan uh, has tweeted, Tuesday was always a low in my podcasting schedule. No more. Uh, Well, good. If we can enliven your Tuesdays, then we've achieved something already. Um, Right. In this episode, you are going to find out why fireworks work. Uh, You are going to find out how not to diagnose an inflammation of the liver. Uh, And... Uh, (laughs) you are going to find out a very specific nugget of information about how the application process for wood-fired barbecue restaurants works in the Bay Area. I imagine that will only come in use to a minority of you. Uh, Right, let's do this. On this week's Modern Man. I'm just envisioning you getting kicked out of the restaurant. What is so special about that Big Mac special sauce? 
no one need know the exact dimensions of what's in your trousers. And our love guru has advice for a listener who's lost that loving feeling. That's all to come on this week's Modern Man. But first, it is the zeitgeist. My man about town, Ollie Peart, is here. Ollie, what is hot, 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 hot this week? Beards. Really? Yeah, well, kind of. Can you grow a beard? You've got a bit of stubble going on. I can't believe you even have the gall to ask me that question. I know, but you know, like some I people... clearly have the capacity no. to grow a beard. No. There are like... many things you'd say about this face, but not that looks like a man who couldn't grow a beard. You could have, like, balding patches that I wouldn't pick up on your current growth length. Because it's quite short. I, I wouldn't be able to tell. So if you grew it more, there might be sort of like patchy spots and all that kind of stuff. I'll tell you what he's doing now, listeners, to kind of justify this assault upon my uh, facial growing abilities. <laughs> he's using his hands like a hairdresser would, as if to suggest, I've got understanding about this. I know I, about this. I do know. I do know. And then know. that justifies it somehow. Well, do you have a spare $15,000? Because what Absolutely. you... Absolutely. You, you do look <laughs> minted. Like uh, You don't get into podcasting unless you're already a billionaire. You, you have so much money that you don't know what to do with. Yeah. Get a beard transplant. A beard transplant? A beard transplant. That so is since, a good trend. Since 2004 to 2014, yeah. they have increased in popularity by 600%. Okay, I don't want to get all more or less on your ass, but I mean 600% from what? I mean, if one person did it in 2004, that isn't really a trend, is it? Yeah, that's a, it's That's a just point. a few more stupid people. When I when I read the article, it actually just said, some data has come out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, who's doing the data on number of beard transplants? I don't know. But I think... The uh, six... Beard Transplant Research Advisory Centre, of course. <laughs> exactly. So what are they trying to solve as an issue for people? Because I do understand why men get anxious about losing their hair hair. Uh, that has begun to happen to me. My hair's thinning. I'm conscious of it. I'm aware of it. If I couldn't grow a beard, I'd just be fine with that. I mean, I know I was offended when you just said that I couldn't, but I don't I, I don't really choose to have a beard. It's not a big deal to not have one. I think you're wrong. I think there's a lot of men that genuinely see it as a sign of masculinity and strength. And there there is some sort of evidence in that. So Braun, face hair removers, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, they well, did they've a, done some research They've done well, some research well, I'm as well. I'm sure they're an impartial voice. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But what does they, their research say? Well, People they, really want trimmed beards that are shaped by machines. Well, no. They say that 53% of men feel more attractive to women when they have a beard. It's which ironic, is a isn't weird. It? I don't know what questions they ask to... Feel more attractive to women. Yeah, I and mean... And yet probably less attractive to women, in fact. Well, it's subjective, say, isn't it? Well, yeah, he speaks a bearded man. <laughs> yeah. I should explain Ollie has a beard. All women find me attractive because I have a beard. I'm, I'm sure. And I'm sure that they're just as willing to jump your bones, Ollie, whether you have the beard or not. I have more stuff. Go on. Fireworks night's coming up, Thursday. Yes, it is. So I thought, oh, do you know what? I'm going to invest a little time in investigating fireworks. Why do you think we're attracted to fireworks? I'm going to ask you first before I tell you what the like science a, people say. another horseshit piece of research. We're obviously attracted to fireworks because they go bang and because they're bright and colourful. Do, do you need anyone with a PhD <laughs> to tell you that? Yeah. Unbelievable. Do you know what? You, You're so you, gullible. You have are... you read a scientific study that says that? It was two paragraphs, so it was it wasn't really a study. But there is an, another more interesting thing. The the bit that we really like is being scared, and the bit that scares us isn't the bang; it's the anticipation of the gap between the flash and the bang. Ah, now that is genuinely as the first genuinely interesting thing you said on this podcast. Uh, thank you very much. So it's one of the reasons why apparently doctors, when you go and have a blood test, they won't tell you that it's going to hurt <laughs> because. <laughs> They, then I you thought you were going to say when they give you the result. They're no, like, because... hold on, flash a light. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've got hepatitis. <laughs> <laughs> Just to see what happens. 
Yeah. Oh, but they should do that. Oh, well, let's see what you've got today. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, God. You sat there just on tenterhooks. Oh, my lesson. God. Anyway. anyway yeah. But, yeah, so, and it's that anticipation. And it's proven that it can make pain and shock, like, way worse. Way, way worse. Right, give us another trend, Ollie, that we can perhaps... And here's a, here's a suggestion for people listening. When they're at a fireworks display, mm. they can think about this trend when the fireworks go off instead of being scared. Ooh. Okay. Let's just see if that works. See, like, if people get back to us next week and like, yeah, I was at a fireworks display and I thought of that. I'm going to talk to you about Apple TV. <laughs> so I don't see why there isn't an obvious connection between those things. Basically, they've released a fourth generation of Apple TV. Yeah. And I remember when Apple TV first came out and it was this little black box and you, I, pretty much the entire planet thought, what the fuck is this? I don't understand. I don't get it. What is yeah. it? Internet? Telly? What? Agreed. And that, then we've had Roku and Amazon Fire Stick and all this stuff and now people are like, oh yeah, I get it. Exactly. So the understanding has sort of caught up. We kind of know what we're talking about now. Yeah. But they're selling the box for £129, 32 gig, or £169, 64 gig. That's expensive. Is it? I mean, look, it probably does all sorts of things that others don't, but the Amazon Fire TV stick, for example, which I've been using this week, £35. Yeah, that's the same as the Chromecast is about that. Yeah, Yeah. but the Chromecast, you need to beam stuff, don't you, from your iPad or your computer. That's right. Yeah, this, it just goes in the back of your telly, remote control, just like watching TV, bish, bash, bosh. You're right, you're right, it is relatively expensive. And that's one of the reasons I thought, okay, well, I'll look into why this thing's so hot. So it's like integrated series, so you can kind of talk to it and all this kind of stuff. Pointless. And they say on their website, it's all about apps. Hmm. And they're saying all these developers are going to develop loads of apps, and it's got Hmm. Netflix, and it's got films, it's got games, it's got all of this kind of stuff on there. And it it got me thinking about choice, the paradox of choice. Oh, right. Because I was looking on the site, and I was like, there's so much stuff on there. How can you make a decision what to watch? Yeah, you see now that you, it's interesting you mentioned this. Have you seen Mubi? No. M U B I. They're uh, an app and they're a film library, but instead of having a never ending list of things you can watch, they only have as many films to watch as there are days in the month. So, assuming there's 30 days in the month, there'll be 30 things you can choose from, and they stay on for exactly a month and then they disappear. And they're all kind of curated art house films. Yeah. And actually, when you look at it, it's bad value for money. You're only getting 30 films for your five quid a month or whatever. But weirdly, there's something about it that's psychologically more alluring and you spend more time on it. Well, it's, it's yeah, it, exactly. And it's not just you that's picked up on it. So, like, this is a complete... It seems like a complete tangent, but it really isn't. So, Tesco have announced that they're, they're cutting 30,000 products from their 90,000 product line. Uh-huh. 30, that's a big chunk it of is, stuff. Yeah. And the reason they're doing Thanks, it... Thanks, Mass Man. Yeah, but they're doing it because Audi and Lidl only stop between two and 3,000 product lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think like Tesco have got like 28 different types of ketchup and Audi have 12. Yeah. It's just that people are picking up on this. And it's like people have made a conscious choice to have less, less choice. choice. Yeah. And I think that there's a real argument for that. Well, of course, the world of podcasts is a tyranny of choice as well, isn't it? But uh, what we'd like is for people just to choose this show and then and then not listen to any others, preferably. It's the best one. And so if, if you want to hear your tastes reflected in a future edition of The Zeitgeist, and obviously you're not listening to any other podcasts in the world... Uh, then I suppose they should get in touch with you to to tell you what you should be talking about. Yes, best place, Twitter, at Ollie E-P, O-L-L-I-E-E-P. And uh, yeah, anything, tech, trends, fashion, culture, all that stuff, drop me a line. Coming up next, the five minutes of pure filth that is my weekly chat with Alex Fox. But first, food porn. 
the 33 best burgers in America. Uh, that is one of those very compelling, shareable lists cranked out by Thrillist, the listicle blog, every year. And I'm a massive fan. Whenever it hits my inbox, uh, I spend all day perving at the photographs of all these burgers. If I was going to make a list of my 33 best lists on the internet, it would probably be number one. Uh, And I've often thought that I would like to plan a road trip around the United States just tasting every single one of these artisan burgers. So when I found myself in San Francisco a few weeks ago and discovered that that was the hometown of the executive editor of Thrillist, Kevin Alexander, who writes this list every year, I had to meet up with him in person and ask him to take me to taste the best burgers in America. I'm a purist when it comes to burgers. I envision the perfect burger being thinly griddled American cheese. You looked at me nervously when you said Yes, American I did. Cheese. It's not proper cheese, but on a burger, I no. think that is the only time yes, it's allowed. Yes, exactly. And, and I'm not sure, do they, do they call that American cheese... No, I suppose it's just, it's just processed cheese. Processed cheese, yeah. yeah. Grilled onions, yeah. soft, squishy bun, grilled. Perfect. Don't get me started on tomatoes on burgers. I'm very much against. Even though the, the classic fast food burger, the Big Mac, loaded mm. with tomatoes. Big Mac does not have tomatoes on it. Oh, doesn't it? No. The Whopper Ready? Does. Two Surely all beef does. patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions <laughs> on a sesame seed bun. <laughs> There's no room for tomato. The Whopper does. Um, But that's why the Big Mac is superior to the Whopper. So every year you publish a list of the 33 best burgers in the USA. But you also have, you know, the best burgers state by state, the best burger openings that have happened each season. I mean, Thrillist published loads and loads of these lists. And it seems to me you eat more of those burgers than anyone else on your staff. Uh, How many burgers do you think you've eaten in your life? In my life? Wow. Wow. I would say in the 5,000. Are you still averaging per week then two or three? Around two or three yeah. burgers a week. Yeah, for one piece, I noticed you ate six fast food burgers in one day. I, That's not recommended even by the marketing people at those companies. No, I, um, I got the meat sweats in a, in, a, in a very horrific way and wasn't able to uh, do anything intellectual, physical social emotional for about 72 hours so I wouldn't recommend that now typically in the fast food chains you're sold the burger with what we'd call chips in the UK fries here and some sort of fizzy pop sometimes a milkshake right I've noticed when you go to places that are more sort of burger fetish joints uh, you're just sold the burger with as many ridiculous toppings as you want but that's it you have to pay extra for all the additional things is the value meal just about upselling you something where they're making more profit through the through the coke and whatever? Or do you find that it's an essential accompaniment to the meat? I'd almost rather have two burgers than get the fries and the milkshake. Well, it's just as well you say that you're happy to eat two burgers because that's exactly what we're going to do this afternoon. That's very correct, yes. I, uh, I'm excited. I'm wearing my nicest elastic pants <laughs> so we can begin this burger expedition. Can you give me any tips for how to... I've never had two burgers in a row before. I mean, normally, when I'm eating a burger, I've decided, I've made a choice that I want to eat something unhealthy. So I'm very, very full by the end. The idea that I'd then echo that an hour later, I, how do I prepare? Hopefully you didn't have breakfast. I did. I had fruit salad for breakfast. That's all right. Don't occupy yourself with any of the sides. They're going to show you a lot of different things. 
focus on the burger. <sighs> yeah, but we're in America. There's going to be an <laughs> onion ring loaf the size of my face. <laughs> it's going to be very difficult to say no to that. I can't get that kind it's of thing. It's true. It's true. The, the head-sized onion loaf <laughs> is always hard to turn down, but I'm just but asking you yeah. that this time okay. you, you do it. This for is us. for research. Exactly. This is exactly. For journalism. So we're in Course Wells on Chestnut Street in San Francisco. And Kevin, tell me, first of all, why you brought me here. Because Coswell's has, if not the best burger in San Francisco, one of the two best burgers in San Francisco. Are we having the other one later? Yes. That's what I wanted to know. Exactly. (laughs) One of the two best burgers in San Francisco. Okay, why? Everyone out here loves In-N-Out. It's a fast food restaurant, famous for their double-double. Thin patties... Iceberg lettuce, squishy bun, all the beauty. Now, Coswell's does a version of that, sort of an upscale take on the In-N-Out classic, which is burned into the minds of Californians for ages. And theirs just has slight tweaks that give it this essence of burger generosity that really make you want to eat it over and over and over again. <laughs> Okay, but I've opened the menu, uh, and there is other stuff here as well, by the way. This isn't a do burger not, restaurant. Do not do that. No, you've never tried any I have salad. tried other things, and they're delicious, the small plates, but we don't need to talk about that. So it's listed, Americana burger, cheese, Corswell sauce, pickle. Although that's a very straightforward choice, there's, there's still an element of selection involved. So you can add, for an extra $1.50, avocado and or bacon. Now, I'd be tempted, as a newbie to have definitely either or, possibly both. You know, it's sort of like mastering a language. First, you speak the basic language, and then you add the flourishes. Okay, so Americana burger, cheese, Coswell sauce, pickle. There's a lot of secret sauce, isn't there, in the there burger is. world? Yeah, absolutely. What's that about? Why uh, can't people be honest and say, you know... It's Thousand it's Island. Of, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit of Thousand Island and a bit of barbecue sauce. Because it's, it's more fun to have that, that bit of mystery, isn't it? I think McDonald's actually created a monster when they called it their secret sauce and it was really just Thousand Island or Russian or whatever people call mixing mayo and ketchup and maybe some pickle Our Americana burgers have just arrived Mine has an ever so lopsided sesame bun on the top but otherwise it's pretty much perfect Sesame bun immediately surprises me Kevin because I think of the sesame bun I think of fast food restaurants I think of upscale I think of brioche and all these things that are a bit bagel Why is it important to go for the sesame? What you're getting here, the sesame seed bun, but this is baked in-house. This is, you know, top-of-the-line sesame seed bun. So it's going to give you the thought of nostalgia, but taste much, much more delicious. And it's, it's soft, but it's also quite resistant to my and that's, touch. That's important because you don't want it to be soggy. One of the things that I always come across when I'm eating burgers is when you find that the bottom of the bun soaks through and you see the grease and it just sort of breaks away. And there's nothing worse for me than having to kind of rip off a chunk of the gross, soggy bun. You obviously can't see it, but I'm making a face in which I look like I'm going to be sick. Mm. It's um, big enough to put in your mouth, just about. But it's probably more convenient to take the top part of the bun off and then Don't you use dare. a knife and fork. Don't you're, you You're going to stick the whole thing in your mouth, are you? You're going to squeeze it down. Okay. Why are you laughing? Well, because if you just t- if you took the top bun off, 
I'm just envisioning you getting kicked out of the restaurant. Yeah, really, that would be an absolute American travesty, would it? Yeah. Yeah. So let's not... Okay. Let's squish it down. So squish. And then... It's, it's huge to fit in my mouth. No, it's, it'll be all right. Okay, here goes. Hmm. Um, the onions are at the bottom. Traditionally, people put them at the top. So, what I've found in eating these burgers is that when stacking, it's best to have the condiments all on the bottom. Because if, if you notice, when you got your burger, the top of the bun was sort of sliding off anyway. Yeah. So if you try and stack the condiments on top, they'll slide with the bun and you won't get the full appreciation. So if you're doing a barbecue at home, condiments at the bottom? Condiments on the bottom. That's absolutely. a tip that I've learned today. Yeah. Um, from now on, I'm going to put my pickle and my lettuce at the bottom. You absolutely have to. That's really exciting. What about, though, turning it upside down to put it in your mouth because you might want the condiment on the roof of your mouth? That's, that's, that's what exactly I do. what you're doing. I, yeah, I didn't even realize that I do that, but that's, that's exactly what's happening so right now. So now I'm going to try that. Another tip. I would recommend is shredding your lettuce when you put it on the bottom of your burger. Shredded lettuce sits and it absorbs things and you can kind of toss things in it and yet it doesn't slide off all at once. You're not committed to one side, it has, it's, it's, it's more even. So forgive me, I've got slight meat sweats, but uh, Adam, you're the chef that's just cooked me this delicious burger. Yes. Uh, explain to me the process that is involved. By smashing it really thin, you get this nice crisp texture that stands out on its own. So you don't have a conflict in texture to where you'd have a nice sear on the outside or a nice char on the outside and then a soft inside. It's just, I don't want to say crispy because it's, it's meat and that's probably a negative way of describing meat but it's you get a, a different texture and when we have a bun that by design is very soft and, and airy we wanted something to kind of break that that texture up and if we want to make a burger at home yeah what's the thing we can learn from your burger that we can institute in our own kitchen the two things that really set any sandwich apart is the bun and the meat so if you're at home go to a nice bakery get good bread Go to a butcher shop, get freshly ground meat. Adam, thank you for the burger. It's great. My pleasure. Kevin and I have relocated to the Nopa area of San Francisco. We're going to try the second burger that made it contentiously from the uh, Bay Area onto Kevin's list of the 33 best burgers in America. Uh, Kevin, where are we? Why did this one make the list? So we are at 4505 Burgers and Barbecue. This has been one of my favorites since it was just a stand at the ferry building during the farmer's market. You were there in the early days, man. I was. <laughs> I really feel cool. What it is is a butcher, Ryan Farr, makes this burger, house grinds the meat. They've got a homemade bun. Again, sesame seeds and Gruyere cheese. Yes, yeah, so no American cheese, but some Ponzi foreign cheese. Yes, exactly. Uh, French, I believe. But this isn't a pretentious joint, is it? We're sitting outside. This is, if anything, the last place we were at was more upscale. Oh, this absolutely. place is going for an American barbecue vibe. We're yes. sitting outside. There's the smell of pig somewhere. Yes. <laughs> no, absolutely. You can only 
have a uh, wood-fired barbecue if it already was there. Is that right? Yes. So well, within the city limits. Yeah. So you, it has to be grandfathered in, and wow. so they took over. Why? Because um, of the smell. The smell, the smoke, I think, like, uh, a variety of things. Yeah, exactly. Like, your neighbors have to be used to it. Otherwise, it's not going to work. And actually, looking at it, it's just arrived at our table. It, it looks more homemade than in the last place as well. This looks like something that someone I know could potentially knock up at home. It's a slightly burned bun on the outside. There's a bit too much lettuce in it. Look at it. It's not perfect looking. Yes. Its imperfections are part of what makes it great. I'm excited. I'm almost as excited as I am about the completely obscene side order that I've requested, which is it, fried mac and cheese with a hot dog in the middle of it. You literally ordered the most American thing <laughs> you could find, and just, I'm disgusted. The best damn cheeseburger. That's a bold title, isn't it? It is. It truly is. Here goes. Mmm. Now, here's what I find interesting compared to the last one we ate. And if I hadn't had two with you in a day, two award-winning burgers, then I wouldn't be thinking about this. There's a bigger bun-to-patty ratio when you just have the single patty. That's why I I, I dislike the brioche. When people do brioche, I just think that's too much bread, bread, generally. If you'll notice, the the bottom is thicker. Um, And I feel like that is an important element to be thick because it sucks up the greasy juices and stuff, and you don't want that mushiness that we've discussed. Is it the case that by adding all kinds of strange accessories to a burger, you make yours stick out, and therefore it gets a little bit more attention? Well, you sort of see things go in waves. In 2013 was really the time when it was the try-and-top-this burgers were coming out. So using uh, ramen as buns and donuts as buns and all that. You started to see that a lot in 2012, 2013. And I think what we're seeing now is you're sort of at the down cycle of that. So people were sort of like, oh, if I make my burger of kangaroo meat and bacon, that'll get me known. And everyone's like, yeah, it's a novelty and people want to take pictures of it, but do they want to eat it? And well, I, do they want to eat it regularly, I suppose? Yes, exactly. Yeah, you'd try it, wouldn't you? Yes. No one's favorite burger is a ramen burger. <laughs> no. And no one's favorite burger is like half bacon, half kangaroo. Okay, I'm going to try the mac and cheese thing <laughs> just because I can't wait any longer. It's really like deep fried on the outside and crispy and golden. Oh, yeah. That is as delicious as it is obscene. Kevin, thank you very much for introducing me to um, San Francisco's contribution to your annual list of 33 best burgers. It was my pleasure. Uh, Anytime you want to come over and eat between 5,000 and 30,000 burgers, you let me know and we'll get some nice elastic pants and we'll do it. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Sax.com. And now it is time for our weekly trip down the foxhole, uh, which I think is what we're going to call this section, Alex Fox. Are we running with the foxhole? Well, I'll tell you the suggestions that we had, and I don't think any of them are overwhelming. Tim uh, said, surely the name for the sex section just has to be the manhole. The manhole! It's clever, but it does sound a little bit sexist. Like, my orifice might just be 
purely for men's pleasure. Stephen has suggested man likes to fox, and I just want to fox you. Well, look at all the fox I have to give about those ideas. I think actually the best suggestion, this was quite good, Michael on Twitter said the sex bit should be called Down to Fox. That is quite good. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. yeah. If you were Dolly Parton in Straight Talk, then I think we'd be calling this Down to Fox. But as it is, we're the podcast version. So we're going to roll with the foxhole. Uh, people have actually written in with their quick... People often say on Answer Me This, or have you ever made the questions up? And I say, no, honestly, from show one, people write in. Uh, and so it is with this, even though we're asking for far filthier dilemmas. It hasn't put people off. We've got real questions here. Uh, modernman.co.uk slash feedback if you would like to send in yours. Uh, and here is the first. I feel a, a sense of trepidation. It's I'm slightly mo- nervous it's about a moment what I'm going to get here. Yeah. Uh, it is from Martin, who says... Can prolonged condom use cause desensitising of the penis? Long story short, I've been using condoms for most of my adult life and I've noticed in the last couple of years I have almost no feeling there. I can feel pressure, but other than that, it's dead. I don't seem to have any other issues, but I discovered this through a frank conversation on a stag do in the summer where me and some friends discuss preferences, as you do, and I realised this isn't usual. Okay, so can the prolonged use of condoms cause desensitisation of the penis? No. The the straightforward answer is no. There are condoms out there which contain a uh, a mild uh, numbing agent, usually a benzocaine. The first thing to check might be that his partner, if she's the person that buys the condoms, hasn't just bought a different variety designed to numb men and make them last longer without telling him. So you might accidentally be wearing some numbing condoms and thinking that everything's, everything's more frozen than a Disney film down below, when in fact it's this specific numbing agent. Which, by the way, is the subject of a fantastic episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I don't know if you've seen that one. No, I haven't. Uh, I haven't. I'll have to look it up. Larry uses the uh, delay condom inside out and numbs his wife's genitals. It's very amusing. (laughs) Those are designed for men who uh, want to last longer, right? Yes. Now, presumably, there therefore are people who use those on every sexual occasion. So uh, that shouldn't be causing a desensitisation either, should it, long term? They're designed for for a sexual encounter and then you're fine afterwards. Yes, but I'm not sure whether this gent, when he says long term, whether he means that... um, Only during sex. Only during sex with condoms. I see. Because if it's more general, if he's finding that um, his schlong is is completely feeling like the square root of fuck all is going on with it all the time, Mm. even when he's not wearing a condom, I would say zip down to your GP, smartish, my friend. So that cannot Um, be anything to do with the condom delay or otherwise? No, absolutely not. And I wouldn't want to to worry you, but if you do feel like you've, you've lost sensation in your plonker completely, you need to go see your doctor about that something else martin might want to be aware of is that uh, different condoms are made of different materials these days they used to all be made of latex i like the linen ones well you can actually get make ones made of sheepskin seriously you make this shit up and then it turns out to be true anyway carry on if martin's finding that latex condoms if he's using a slightly thicker variety like an extra safe variety Mm. uh if he's finding that they're reducing his sensitivity might want to check out newer uh, modern next generation condoms uh, made of a material called polyisoprene it's thin but it's also really stretchy so it fits the body well and it conducts body heat better than latex so it can give a more real feeling it feels a bit more natural so that could help him 
Unlike Star Trek The Next Generation, it puts your bald man right at the centre. The other thing that might be happening is, he doesn't tell us whether there have been any changes in his sex life, but if he's been using condoms for a long time and then has stopped using condoms and isn't feeling anything, whilst, whilst use of condoms doesn't change you physically, uh, you can get used to a, the sensation, the feeling of a particular habit. So if you're used to having sex with condoms on and then you go to a different type of sex, say unprotected, sex the difference in sensation it can be difficult to get off and to ejaculate if that's not a feeling that you're used to just just the alien nature of it can feel really different and can kind of throw some guys um another thing that might be happening is uh, again if they've switched condom brands condoms are different sizes uh, and some of them have different shapes so they can be flared at the end they can be straight if he switched from one type to another or if his partner switched the type they're using if it's slightly too tight then that might be causing problems in mm. in in his sensitivity uh, there's actually a company called they fit who do custom made condoms in 95 different sizes to suit your girth and your length how on earth do you establish what size you are and how to order it you go on their website and have a little printout kit like a like a measuring kit for your bits uh-huh yeah and 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 it's, so it's uh, like one of those test pages you get when you first plug in your hp printer and it says you know align all the different colors yeah it converts it into a special code so it's ultra discreet as well so you just say my 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 dick is d long and um, x23 around and then they'll send you these condoms that have this special code on them so no one need know the exact dimensions of of what's in your trousers but getting a condom that fits might really help this guy as well well every answer a surprise alex fox it's been a delight it's been a d-long delight it was a pleasure or my pleasure and hopefully everybody else's pleasure (laughs) see you next week lovely to matter to you Well, that's it for episode two. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please head on down to iTunes, itunes.com slash man. Uh, The Buttons has left us a five-star review. Thanks for that. Uh, He says, uh, if you like Ollie on Answer Me This and his other shoes, this will be right up your street. You can leave a review for the show, even if you don't know what kind of shoes that I wear. Although I imagine that was probably a typo, and now I'm being facetious. Tell your friends about the show on Twitter, hashtag modernman. Follow me on Facebook, facebook.com slash ollie man and if you have a question of sex for alex fox if you want to follow any of ollie's trends if you want to leave us some feedback or you just want to buy us a beer head to modernman.co.uk where there are also glorious food porn pictures of the burgers i ate this week the theme music is by django django from their self-titled debut album and this is the sound that's been filling modern man hq this week it is so they say by roxana maurice which is out now on caroline records i've been ollie man the producer is matt hill and we'll see you next tuesday hold on to what you've chosen the shadow will break by day Are 
So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, on Tuesday, we head to the battlefields of medieval Spain to witness the very first ambulance. On Wednesday, it's the anniversary of the day Coca-Cola's creator hit on his winning formula. He dropped the wine, but kept the cocaine. On Thursday, the thief who stuffed the crown jewels down his trousers. And on Friday, when free-spirited Danish parenting put 90s New York in a tears. We discuss this and more on Today in History with the Retrospectors. Ten minutes every week. Weekday, wherever you get your podcasts.